0: When you think about the federal government creating an agency called the Disinformation Board, that's like prima facie violation of the First Amendment.
1: And it's extremely troublesome. Today I sit down with Jeff Landry, the Attorney General of Louisiana. He has made it his mission to challenge the federal government whenever he sees it as overstepping its authority.
0: Well, I think what we found and what the whistleblowers put out was that the government was actually engaged, and the White House, in directly communicating with big tech on
1: stories and information that they either wanted suppressed or put out. One of the most assertive attorney generals in the country, Landry has won a number of victories against the Biden administration in recent years, filing lawsuits over COVID mandates, illegal immigration, big tech censorship, and election integrity. This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya (music) Kelly. Attorney General Jeff Landry, such a pleasure to have you on American Thought Leaders. Oh, well, thank you for having me here today. I want to go back to May of this year, where you signed on with, I believe it was 19 different attorney generals, basically upon the establishment of this disinformation board, what some people call a Ministry of Truth. In the u s government, um, and you basically sent a letter saying you know this this kind of board can 't stand if I recall and you know this this is a big issue, right and i I wanted to get your thoughts immediately on why this was so important to you back then
0: it's extremely important it's extremely troublesome. you know when you think about the federal government creating an agency called the Disinformation Board. That's like prima facie violation of the First Amendment. Think about it. This is the government that's basically going to filter information, you know, to the American people, or basically going to uh, ensure that some information gets out to the American people and some information doesn't get out. And, of course, that is exactly why the First Amendment was established under our Bill of Rights. That's exactly the kind of conduct the founders of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights wanted to prevent. They did not
1: want the government censoring information to its citizens. There's a lot of disinformation out there. Everyone will certainly agree these days, right? So what do we do about that?
0: Right. But well, this disinformation on a playground. Right. I, I mean, look, I think that that the greatness about America was the fact that information could flow readily between people. And the citizenry had the ability to ascertain the truth from fiction and then come up with their own opinion or their own decisions based upon that information somewhere down the line here. Recently, the government has decided, well, there's some information maybe we don't want the public to know. And that's concerning, especially when that information ends up being correct. And so that's why I think you saw those attorney generals like myself go right after the government the minute they announced this and saying that is an incorrect use of federal authority.
1: Not too long after you, with Attorney General Schmidt in Missouri, basically decided to actually launch a lawsuit that looking essentially at big tech and government collusion to censor. Now there weren't this wasn't nineteen attorney generals. Now There's was only two. Why why is that?
0: Well, that lawsuit was instituted within twenty four hours of that letter. Mostly because General Smith and I believed that basically when the government coerces a private actor to do something or to engage in conduct of which the government is prevented from doing, which would otherwise be a violation of your constitutional right, right? Like censoring speech. If the government is actually censoring the speech, that's the government violating your First Amendment right. Well, when they go to big tech, this was our theory, Eric and I's, is that if the government coerces or works with Big Tech and says to Big Tech, we want you to censor this information, then and then Big Tech does that, then guess what? Then Big Tech now becomes a government actor and is subject to violating citizens' constitutional rights. And that was the legal theory that we had in play. We didn't we i guess we weren't good at convincing everybody right at the time that we decided to file that particular suit, so we filed it in Louisiana, Eric and I did, and then um not long after that is
1: when uh the whistleblower information came out What is the substance of the explain this lawsuit to me right? Okay, so let's let's think about it in a criminal
0: context. Right. We all are very familiar with Fourth Amendment search and seizure. We all know that the police can't barge into your homes uh, to search for things. They have to have reasonable uh, belief that something in your home is or the conduct that you're engaging in that might be in your home is uh, is is subject to evidence that would um, lead to a crime. They then have to go to a judge as a due process part and say, judge, you know, under these conditions, this is the information we have. And the judge says, OK, this is enough for a warrant to be granted. Right. That's a Fourth Amendment protection. If the police the police can't say, well, you know what, we don't want to go through all of that. We don't want to have to go to a judge. We'll just go and get your neighbor to go into your house because we know that you invite your neighbor into your house and we we work with that neighbor to tell them exactly what we're looking for and we tell them what to go find and come back and tell us if it's in your house. Well that's illegal too, right? That's the government short circuiting the Fourth Amendment. It's the same thing with speech and that's what our lawsuit says. When the government says, hey. We really would like to suppress this information uh, or say Dr. Fauci really says, you know what? We don't want therapeuticals or or the American people to think that there are any therapeutical uh, remedies that could maybe suppress the COVID virus. But I know that as a government actor, I can't go out there and and scratch through, uh, say, the Epoch Times' articles and say, don't print this, print that. I can't do that because I'm a government actor. He also can't go to to the press and coerce them to do that because then they become a government act as well. That's what the suit says. And again, if we find this to be true,
1: then those platforms will be liable for violating citizens' rights. Okay. And so, you know, what examples did you give? Like, what were the specific areas? Of course, you just you suggested one of them, a lot of things around COVID, certainly.
0: Right, well, I think what we found and what the whistleblowers put out was that the government was actually engaged and the White House in directly communicating with big tech uh, on stories and information that they either wanted suppressed or put out. Uh, and so those are the things that we're. I think we're gonna find. We've got a treasure trove of information that we think are gonna come to us here shortly because the good news is last week, the judge in our case granted our motion for discovery. So the subpoenas have gone out uh, they're being served. I think Dr. Fauci got served, uh, and and other members of the president's cabinet, and and they're going to have to send us communications between them and the platforms. And what we believe we'll find is communications that between them, telling them what they should and shouldn't put out, or what they should suppress, and what they should amplify.
1: But so now it's not only COVID related issues that you were looking at in this lawsuit, right?
0: No, it's it's not only that. It, it could be in, in the realm of anything. I mean, look, we think about it in, in the realm of, of the suppression that was used in the Hunter Biden laptop, in, the, um, in Russiagate, in, in, in the dossier. I, I mean, what we're seeing is a very disturbing pattern of the government uh, put either taking information that's fictitious or and then making it a fact and then trying to hide the cover of, 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 of that false story to them from the American people and using the social platforms and the power that these big tech companies have in order to limit the information that the American people uh, are getting. And so, again, it doesn't just have to be COVID related. Uh, it could be, you know, I mean, think about it. The federal government went and spied on a presidential campaign. Pain. I mean, just that in and of itself is problematic. On a, using the basis for which they did so was a false document, which is the dossier. And again, when, you tried, when, when evidence of uh, that dossier being fictitious tried to come out, what, what happened? That information was suppressed. So this plays into all of those particular um, uh, scenarios.
1: Or, or, as you said, the Hunter Biden laptop. This, it's it's you it, know, right, highly topical it's right, right now. Right, dossier, right,
0: Right. Senator Grassley's letter yesterday was shocking. Um, why? Because it, again, was further affirmation that people inside the United States Department of Justice, inside the FBI, specifically downplayed evidence that was in front of their face in order to tilt an election. That's the kind of things that happen in despotic countries, right? In socialistic countries, in communistic countries. That's not the kind of conduct that's supposed to happen here in this country. And certainly not inside the halls of the very institutions we rely on to dispense justice like the United States Department of Justice. I mean, I grew up um, just having such a great respect for the FBI. They were the premier law enforcement agency out there. Why? Because they dispense justice and they did their investigations in a very fair uh, manner, not being partisan, not being political. But yet, as we're peeling this layer, these, the layers of this onion back over the last um, six to seven years, we're finding that there may be people inside of those institutions that don't subscribe to the way those institutions were built. And that's problematic for the country, I think, and democracy.
1: And we're back with Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry. I want to talk a little bit bigger picture right you talked about this sort of inherent you know prima facie threat of disinformation boards right right now in general in general there's i think a much lesser appreciation of the value of freedom of speech than there once was once it was sort of sacrosanct now people are talking about you know sort of balancing these things and part of the reason by the way is that we do have this technology all of a sudden, where you can kind of create you know, big narratives of information and so forth. And, and they can change in a, in a moment's notice, right? So basically what I'm saying is the information landscape has changed a lot. So what people are arguing is, the, so new rules are required now, right? That balance, balance this, this these capabilities with freedom, right? We wouldn't want the, sort of the wrong information to you know, capture everyone's mind in an instant, right? And th- 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 and and you know, th- there's a threat of some things like that that that's happened. So, you know, there used to be a thing called journalistic uh,
0: integrity, um, and and you know, one of the things that I appreciate uh, about the Epoch Times is is that it seems to have risen uh, above uh, and and brought back a lot of journalists. Integrity uh, in that in that journalism was about writing a story based upon laying out the facts and then letting the reader come up with the opinion. Right, that's what journalism was about. That's what the press was about. Hey, let me give you all of the facts, and then you come to your own conclusion. That's freedom, uh, and and that's why we wanted the freedom of the press. So what has happened is, unfortunately, is that. With the expansion of the internet and the growth of, of just a handful of players on the big tech platform, amassing so much data and so much information, we, we used to have a physical public square, right? And in that physical public square, the press was welcome and there was freedom to it. And there's also the freedom of people to debate and to say things in that public square, that physical public square. What the internet created was a virtual public square, which was great because we said, oh, this is even better. This was going to be a great marketplace for ideas. It was going to connect more people. It was going to expand the physical public square by by bringing more people to it. If you wanted to go and talk in New York now, you could do it through the internet, not have to travel all the way to New York. Unfortunately, what happened was that the public, the virtual public square is now controlled by just a handful of private corporations, right? So big tech, as we've labeled them, they're controlling. Instead of the Bill of Rights, instead of the First Amendment being the gateway of that information in the physical public square, now big tech controls what goes in and out of the virtual public square. And I think that's where Americans are finding a lot of anxiety and, 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 and and frustration. And, and then when the government joins with them, well, now you are absolutely violating uh, the first amendment uh, when it comes to information. And so that's where I think we are right now. And so I think what has happened is there's this collision of antitrust law, right? Which is monopolistic power of big tech. And, and violations of what people have, have come to believe and trust and appreciate about the First Amendment. The greatness about the First Amendment and the importance of it is it is the First Amendment. And you normally label the most important thing number one. And when you think about what's in the First Amendment, it is some of the most sacrosanct, important things that hold the thread of America together. The freedom of speech, the freedom of religion,
1: the freedom of assembly. Those are packed into the First Amendment. So I want to talk about, I mean, and, you know, these lawsuits that you just talked about, another one that you're involved in is actually uh, related to election integrity and specifically what they call Zuckerbucks or private funding of obviously public electoral processes, right? So so tell me about that.
0: That's my favorite one. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. Because what the Zuckbugs did when Mark Zuckerberg and his wife gave over $400 million to their nonprofits, who then went out and sprinkled this money. It was more money than even the Democrat National Committee had spent on the presidential election in two years. They did it in eight months. What they effectively tried to do, and they were successful in certain places, were to basically create a ballot harvesting operation using government officials and that is reprehensible. Never before has private money been injected into our election system, okay? Private money was also always supposed to be used for political purposes. The the government's job is not to entice people to go vote. Let's start with that. The government's job is to conduct an election under which every eligible voter has an opportunity to cast their vote and every legal vote is counted. That's the government's responsibility. The responsibility of enticing people to vote are the parties and the candidates. That's where the money is. He injected that money directly in. We saw that back in October 2020. We filed suit immediately saying you can't do that. You can't bring private money injected in Louisiana's election system. I wish more attorney generals, uh, and more election officials would have taken action. Some of them were powerless, I, I would admit. Some of them, the, the, their laws allowed that. It was like a loophole that they were able uh, to sneak through. I think that you're seeing many states now close those particular loopholes because, again, elections are the foundation of democracy. They, you, you can't advance an idea. Whether it's a good or a bad idea, in a democratic system, if the election is not transparent and fair, because that idea may be suppressed by virtue of a of a, of a fraud fraudulent election, does it? You see what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Yeah. So so you know the Zuckbox um, uh, suit was one of my favorites. Uh, we're still litigating it. The judge I'd. I don't think he understood uh, the ramifications. We went up to the appeals court. We back in the district court, and we're uh, we're looking at the discovery phase, which is always my favorite phase. We, we get to see exactly what's go- what was going on behind the scenes.
1: Well, so and this suit. So explain the suit is you know focused on wh- where, like, wh- which which uh, jurisdictions. Like, how does how does this all work? So this suit
0: was filed in a parish in Louisiana, in Iberia Parish. Uh, against CTCL, against Mark Zuckerberg's nonprofit, and it just said that you cannot spend money, you cannot offer or entice election officials to take your money in and use that money in the election process. If you want to do that, it's got to go through an appropriating process. Um, and and, and, and so, so what they did was they would go, so let's use um, Wisconsin or let's use Pennsylvania like Pennsylvania, Philadelphia County, I think that their budget to run the 2020 election was like $10 million or $12 million, $12 million. That was the budget. Mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg and them almost doubled that budget. They gave them $10 million. They then could then go out and hire all kinds of people and deputize them as election officials, and then under Pennsylvania law, that allowed those people to be able to collect a ballot, where otherwise that was a prohibited activity. You see what I'm saying? They basically turned the election system into an arm of the Democrat Party, and that was what Zugbugs did. And so our suit was saying you can't do that. So just so
1: just to be clear, so you know you saw evidence that you know the the peop- somehow the people that are being hired to do this or doing the hiring are favoring one party over another.
0: Well, yeah, because all of the money went to Democratic strongholds. In Louisiana, the applications were going specifically to parishes under which it was a high concentration of Democrats. Mm. And so if they were really being fair and nonpartisan, they would just said, look, we've got 64 parishes in Louisiana. We're going to just have, give every parish so much money based upon population. And but that's not what they did. They use specific metrics to target the money into specific areas,
1: and and so we knew at that point it was nefarious. So last year you submitted, uh, basically you made a request for people to uh, in Louisiana to tell you how they've been censored by these platforms. What what has come of that? yeah so
0: we um we we wanted to uh, to try to get a feeling for we knew we were being censored right we've we've seen it even even it which I which I find completely um, uh, disappointing and 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 troublesome is when an elected official's own website and own social media posts are in some ways uh, censored by big tech right I mean I you think to yourself, well, wait a minute, if you're out there pretending to give the consumers, uh, your consumers, your clients, um, uh, you're pretending that, hey, this is a, a free speech platform, when their own elected officials' information that they're putting out is sometimes, some in some way, censored, it's problematic. We wanted to see how expansive that was. <clears throat> so we went out and said, look, we're going to put out a 1-800 number. We're going to give you an email. If you have been deplatformed, if you have been censored, if you've been put in Facebook jail, which, which that's what my constituents have called it. I've been put in Facebook jail, um, or if you've been sh- if you believe you are being shadow banned, report to us and let us know. And we've been collecting that information, uh, and we're gonna, we're going and we're using that information uh, as part, it may be part of 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 the suits that we have going on right now. So, we, so we can try to understand what is the extent, what is the reach under which this censorship is occurring.
1: A little bit earlier, you mentioned that um, things were censored, which later on turned out to be very true. Like, for example, the effective use of certain therapeutics. I'm not going to name them ex- right. right now, but just as an example of which the, is the possibility, incredibly right. problematic. But so this type of censorship, especially when it's done at a very, you know, at a high level or broadly, right? You know, the effect of that most likely, and I, it is that a lot of people may have lost their lives that didn't need to lose their lives. That's very serious. It's a very serious thing. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of smiling, but I don't know what else what else what else to do. when, when thinking about this, right, because it's so dis- frankly, disturbing. Is there any sort of liability in these sorts of situations? Right. This, it, it, this must be a question people are asking themselves.
0: That's a great question, and it's a question that continues to circulate amongst a whole host of lawyers uh, and attorney generals, uh, because the question becomes, the the basic premises of this is, is, did the government or other actors engage in misinformation or the suppression of information that would have been life-saving? The FDA, when it labels prescription drugs, says— that the off-label use allows the off-label use of any medicine by a doctor as long as consent is given and the patient is advised as to why the doctor believes that medication, that particular prescription, okay, that particular drug may be beneficial to the patient, is allowed. That is standard medicine practice. I mean, we use off-label drugs. I mean, we use um, uh, drugs for off-label use all the time, mm-hmm. except for in this instance. Mm-hmm. For some reason, those in the hierarchy of of of, of the NIH, of the CDC, um, the doctors who we relied on the most to to basically school other doctors, told them, everything you've learned in medical school, everything you were practicing before, forget it, we're going to tell you how to handle this disease. Oh, anyway, and by the way, if you heard that the disease was created in a lab or it came from China, Dispel that, too. Like, really? I mean, that should be so reprehensible to the American people in and of itself. It should, it should just that in and of itself, when I lay that fact out, should be the basis for firing everybody over there, irrespective. Because when I talk to doctors... They're like, they were like, wait a minute, I don't understand. This is problematic. This is not the way we were trained because they were trained to first do no harm. That's mm-hmm. the Hippocratic oath, mm-hmm. right? I mean, think about it. And so we really turned medicine up on top of its head. And then we go back and we look at where the money was spent and where that money was directed. Uh, and then now we've got, I don't know, what, were we, 24, 36 months uh, since the virus first came on to America's shores. And where are we now? All of a sudden now we're recognizing herd immunity. All of a sudden now we're maybe going back to looking at ways under which we practiced medicine before. So we disrupted. A hundred years of the way we practice medicine in this country, um, for what, and at what cost, mm-hmm. and who should be liable? Like you said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ha- did people die because of those decisions? It's a great question.
1: Well, so I guess I'll be watching to see what, what you come up with. You know, in out of the Louisiana AG office, if you're if you're still doing that. Yeah, we're, we're, look, I
0: think that this case uh, against the Biden administration and the cabinet members that we've subpoenaed is going to be interesting. And uh, as we peel back uh, the layers of that discovery um, uh, and we can make and, and the public can watch, uh, we look forward to litigating that case. I know General Schmidt and I are, are excited about litigating that case and hope that you y'all, uh, uh, y- y'all stay on top of it.
1: Absolutely. And any final thoughts?
0: Uh, No, thank you for the great job that you'll do here at Deepak Times.
1: Well, Attorney General Jeff Landry, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you all for joining Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry and me on this episode of American Thought Leaders. I'm your host, Yanya Kelleck.